money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money, David. Well, that's good. We were just, I'm going to jump right in and get all of the housekeeping stuff out of the way right at the beginning here. So if you haven't heard the show, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. No shame. No shame. Rebecca and I talk about this quite a bit just to say, hey, this is a shame-free zone when we come into the listening to the podcast or even as you come into more than enough. And so if you want to listen to the show and you uh, need to get to the archive shows, morethanenough.ca, chri.ca, those are the places where you can find archive shows. And of course, We're streaming on all kinds of podcasting platforms. So, welcome to the show. We're jumping right in. Ray Borg is with us this morning, and we've already started the conversation Mm -hmm. offline. Welcome to the show, Ray. Good to be with you. Uh, Well, Reb? Yes. We're going to start. Start right in. So, today's show is about... Well... I was just going to say there's some context that I want to lay down at the beginning here. So the first is, is you'd read a comment that Ray had written, yes. um, and maybe just share that with the listeners sure. to provide some context. Well, um, Ray is with Disci- Financial Discipleship Canada, and his he's on Facebook often enough and posts things that I read. And um, he asked the question, is there a recent possession that has had a negative impact on me or my family? And um, that prompted the idea for this show. So basically, today we're mm-hmm. looking at what what purchases, what what have we done with our money in our lives that have drawn us to the heart of the Father or away from the heart of the Father. So we're going to have that discussion because... Um, and that really, just jumping in, that's a little bit where I am at uh, in the sense that when you said that, I right away jumped to some of the devotional that I'm doing and have been doing for the last 18, 24 months or so, which is uh, based on St. Ignatius and, and his spiritual exercises. And he talks, I would say, every day about this idea of consolation and desolation, things that draw us closer to the Father in our daily experience, that would be consolation, and and things that draw us away from the Father um, in our daily experience, and that would be desolation. And I'm just going to read, just again, to provide some context, remember, this is the show where we talk around the hard issues around money. So even in as we uh, St. Ignatius talks about this in, in general terms. Again, as we he digs in, we get to specifics. And today we want to get to how does this idea of what are the things that we purchase? What are the, the, the things related to money that draw us away from God or that draw us towards the Father? Mm-hmm. And uh, really just allowing that to sink in. Uh, and and there's a very practical piece, and we'll get to the practical at the end, but that to just realize that as we go through our daily spending decisions, those decisions are important, and they do uh, often draw us 
away from the Father or closer to his heart. So by way of of definition, I'm just going to read a couple definitions around what consolation, um, written by Vettina Hampton Wright, who's just, uh, she just articulates it in such a, a great way. It says, a person dwells in a state of consolation when he or she is moving towards God's active presence in the world. We know that we're moving this way when we sense the growth of love and peace and joy and goodness and kindness and gentleness, all of the fruit of the Spirit. But consolation does not mean that we feel constantly happy or at peace. In fact, sometimes when I'm doing precisely what God is leading me to do, I might feel negative pressure from others, or I might find the experience a challenge because I'm growing and learning. Yet, If I sense in my spirit that I'm going the right way, the spiritual reality consoles me, whether the day is bumpy or smooth. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just I love that definition of consolation. That no matter what the outward experience is that we might be, we might look at our bank account and go, oh. But we can still live in a place of moving towards where the Father has for us, and even in the daily. Um, and then consolation is, of course, the op- or desolation, desolation is, of course, the opposite. A, a person dwells in a state of desolation when he or she is moving away from God's active presence in the world. We know we we are moving in this way when we sense the growth of resentment, ingratitude, selfishness, doubt, fear, and so on. If my outlook becomes increasingly gloomy and self-obsessed, I am in a state of desolation. I am resisting I am resisting God or if not actively resisting, I am being led away from God by other influences. And I got to ask the question. We all have experienced this, man. I made a purchase and it moved me away from God, or I made a purchase and it moved me away, uh, closer to God. And so that's really, I think, just putting into context and framing our conversation today about, hey, what are some of the things, Reb, that you've oh done, my. had, <laughs> that have moved you closer to the Father? Let's, you know. Well, I guess I'm mean, usually we mention scripture verse, but the one the one scripture that I'm thinking of, and maybe you'll talk about more about that yet, David. But um, is we can't serve two masters, so we're either moving in one direction or another. And I, as as um, we've kind of talked about this show before we even got here, you know, to be honest with. Like, it's hard to be honest to think, oh, that purchase, like to have to live in a place where every purchase, Dave says every often to people, every decision, spending decision is a spiritual decision. But, you know, I'm convicted just sitting here that I don't live that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not always mindful of, is this drawing me close to the father or away from the father? And I could say, well, a purchase is a purchase. Mm-hmm. But it's either one or the other. We can't serve two masters, for we will either love the one and hate the other, or or vice versa. And Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. And last year, 2018, we talked a lot about mammon with Ray, Mm because he wrote that great little book with Jan about it not being about the money. Mm -hmm. So I I don't even... 
you know, I guess we can ask Ray because we'll put him on the spot. I was, I was just gonna say, it's your <laughs> turn, Ray. <laughs> you can share your heart because I don't know if I like. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm struggling with this as well myself. Um, well, you know, and and I, I mean, Ray, you asked the question, and and yeah. really the question was, and and you put it out there for I all know, the world to see. And he didn't know, see. he didn't know <laughs> I'd grab a hold of this and get him on the radio show to talk about it. So, but I love, I love it, and then this is this is really the point is, is we. It's great to ask these questions and to wrestle with them. And, and we don't have all the answers. I mean, we've said this so many times on this show. Um, if you came here for answers, we hope that the Lord speaks to you and into your heart and leads you into a place of consolation, closer, drawing closer to him. But recognizing that, okay, Ray, so is there a recent possession <laughs> that had a negative impact on your family? Well, you know, um, as I... I thought, Lord, what what do I respond as I, I was reviewing the notes yesterday and I thought there was one situation that came up right away. And this is not a recent one, but it was a significant learning point for myself. Um, Arlene had gone away for a woman's retreat with a group from church. And the kids were quite young at that time. And I decided we would do an outing. So I decided we would take them to the Humane Society and we would check out all the dogs because mm-hmm. I'm a dog lover. And so um, we went and the kids, there was this little Pomeranian and it was like, oh, so cute and that kind of stuff. So I bought the Pomeranian <laughs> without consulting my wife, who's not a dog lover, and um, oh dear. came home with this Pomeranian and um my wife called at one point to check in on how I was doing with the kids. And um, and I said, oh, by the way, the kids fell in love with this dog at the Humane Society. And so I bought it. And we came home with it. And she's like, what? Mm-hmm. And so I realized um, shortly thereafter for some time that that was – it wasn't a, a wise purchase mm-hmm. because it impacted um, my relationship with my wife because I hadn't consulted her. And sure. so it wasn't done in agreement with her because it was a significant. Oh, um, a dog uh, is not just. No, it's like having an extra child. <laughs> yes, that's right. I know. Surprise. And, uh, the sad part of it is, is that um, unbeknownst to us, um, this dog was a runner. Oh, okay. And so we had a backyard and that was great, but he found a little crack mm-hmm. and he ran. So once, twice, we were able to get him. But one time, he actually got out, and he got away several kilometers away. It was a few hours before we found him. And the amount of energy that that consumed Mm -hmm. and the trauma on the kids, because they were quite young at that point. And I said, we can't keep this dog. Because this is a runner, and once they've got that in their blood, it's hard to contain them. So I then had to work through with my children, the whole area of forgiveness, that I brought a, a cute dog into the house that they really enjoyed and then mm-hmm. keep working through that I hadn't consulted my wife in that process. And you so, talked to the kids about that? Were you honest with them about well, that part? Well, you know what? At that point, they were so young, but I, I that has left an imprint on them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. even to this day. Like they a, call that, like no, a good, not a good one uh-huh. because – I made the decision then we were going to get rid of the dog. Mm-hmm. So the dog, we found a wonderful home, you know, a senior couple, because he would make a great, but he was a runner. And we let them know that you cannot let him off the leash. Cause, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had a backyard. And anyway, would do that. so it, it was one of those purchases that I realized I didn't consult my wife. 
I didn't think through the implications of it and an unknown dog and what that might mean for children at that point mm-hmm. and the conflict and stress that it caused in our household for a wow. number of months. So I yeah, realized my brain's that going could, all kinds oh, of ways on that. that one? Oh, I didn't my. bless you on this yeah. one. I didn't consult you. I didn't ask mm-hmm. you about this. And so that was one of the first things that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. It was like, so it's interesting because as you're sharing that, I'm thinking, and I'm, I feel like I'm hearing the listeners across the airwaves thinking, oh man, can I relate to a purchase that I made without consulting my spouse? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, interesting that that is a part, if we're in a family, mm-hmm. you know, it seems that God wants us to be talking about this and mm-hmm. to doing these things together. And um, we had, I asked, actually asked Justice, our 14-year-old son, what, what would you say, what purchase did we make? And and maybe one day we'll tell the whole story about the wood stove. That would be an interesting mm-hmm. show, actually. Uh, we live on 25 acres outside the city, and um, Dave and I talked about doing an outdoor wood stove. Well, here, and, let me let me frame uh, this, right? No, get, no, 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 no. Because no, you there, can tell there's you, an you external part in a minute. There, there's you an can, external I motivation. Know, no, okay. you already see, you're already trying to defend it. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, this happened years ago, and David had in his heart to heat our house with, with wood, outdoor wood furnace, which is extremely awesome we have it it's all set up and it's beautiful and and it's great it's the best heat in the world for our log home so love it yes but at the time we didn't have the cash and i said we need to wait i'm i'm not on board with this so i come down to have my devotions early one morning and david is talking to his buddy on the phone and I'm, and he's getting ready to go i'm like what are you doing he goes oh i'm I'm going out to look at a, a, a outdoor wood boiler. There's found one on Kijiji. It's a really good price. And I didn't say a word. And he left. And I thought, oh, man, I, uh, he's, he's bent on this. So anyway, you can tell the story from there. <laughs> Anyway, okay. we don't have to give the whole story, but long and short the, of it the is. The short version is, and, and, I, and the only thing I want to say in terms of framing, the year before, propane had went up like double the price. And we spent a ton of money because we were heating the house with propane. And, you know, it's interesting. All of these things we look back, I said to myself, we are never paying that kind of money for heat again in this house. Like, you know, I can remember saying that because it was just crazy. And and we have to heat the house. So you're kind of over the barrel in terms of, of doing that. So there was an internal motivation to keep that promise to myself, which started off with a totally wrong promise. It was a – there were all kinds of things that were wrong even Way up front there. Yes, yes, and I don't think I knew that that you had said that to yourself. Anyway, that it's a it's a story for really for another time yeah. because it is a beautiful story of redemption at the same time. And I remember when the wood stove he got it and it had fallen apart. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to. It needed major repairs, and he was trying to get it fixed and spending all this time. And meanwhile, there was stress and growth at more than mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. and it was take it was distracting him. And I came in and I said, "What are you doing?" It is time to stop. And the beautiful part was he stopped. The other beautiful part was I chose not to say I told you so, which is a I, conscious. I appreciate it I, And immensely. I said, and he, and he was like, he was feeling bad. And he said, I did this. I said, no, we did it. 
we're a couple and we did this together. And I remember a significant moment of redemption in this story because we called all the kids together and we laid hands on David and um, we prayed together as a family and we repented as a family and we asked God to help us as a family. In the end, God gave such redemption to us that someone who needed a wood boiler who could fix it paid the same amount of money we paid for it like and bought it took us off it off our hands we ended up like there was just so many beautiful pieces to that story but i hadn't really thought of it until i'd asked justice and he said well that that's that initial wood stove caused stress for you and dad and for dad and and then for us kids because he was stressed about getting it fixed (laughs) you know and ray remembers that story but but in the end did that it did take us away from the lord but even in your story, Ray, when we repent mm-hmm. and when we're willing to come back to the heart of the Father, that's the beauty of redemption. It is. Because he can take the mistake and turn it into something good and a teaching moment for us. Because his heart is to be near us. Like he, he, mm-hmm. he he's not a an he's not an angry dad who's just like, I told you so, you shouldn't have done it. I mean, it comes with conviction. It comes with making it right. It comes not easy, but his heart is good for us that we would turn to him. Now let's, let's kind of drill down a little bit because that's, that's a big one, Ray. That's a big Mm -hmm. one. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes we look at the big ones and we go, okay, yep. Um, But there's also the, the, the kind the daily, small decisions that we make um you know instead of um you know we get home at the end of the week and we just want to veg in front of the tv when we know that god's saying listen put on some worship music and just enjoy my presence and we choose Mm -hmm. the opposite right or Mm -hmm. you know we're chasing after so you know there is these big ones uh, absolutely but i still think that that often and this is where um, you know, even the exercises that I'm going through, they keep me conscious of, of these daily small decisions where I am choosing to be position myself closer to the Father, to be in a place where I'm actually drawing into where the, the Spirit of God is doing for that day, um, as opposed to positioning myself in a place where I'm I'm allowing myself to to be drawn away, and and Ray, I I, I laughed at your story because, you know, taking the kids to the Humane Society to look at dogs. My brain just went, yeah, that's a recipe for buying a dog, right? Like, how could you not know that, right? Maybe go to a zoo. Oh, yeah, there we go. Where there's no opera. But, but yeah. you know, again, just to point that out, not to pick on you, but to no. say we – we do these things and position ourselves. We go to the mall to window shop. <laughs> yes, I know. You know, I, I hate to say it, but there are very few of us who can walk out of the mall without making some sort of purchase, right? You know, I'm trying to avoid eating, you know, um, deep fried food. And I, you know, oh, let's go for a drive and stop at the local chip wagon. You know, like, you know, in a sense of we're positioning ourselves yes. in a place where, Man, resistance is futile. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, in the context of of this conversation of of uh, allowing the 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 things that we purchase, how money is used to to draw us closer to the Father or to draw us further away from the Father. Um, we didn't start the show by talking about uh, a scripture verse, 
but we certainly have one that really highlights that in, in Luke chapter 16. And I'm going to just take a few minutes to read that, if that's okay with you too, yes, at this point. Ahead. And just yeah. allow, this is the uh, the parable where Jesus is talking about the shrewd manager. And uh, I'll paraphrase a little bit the, the first part, where Jesus just simply says there was a rich man, and uh, he pulls his, his account manager to task and says, wait a minute, you, um, you, you certainly haven't been uh, honest in your dealings. You know, go out, settle the accounts. Um, I want to report by the end of the day because you're done. You're, you know, and, and in some versions it says he just fired him. So the manager leaves and he says to himself, well, what am I going to do now? My master's taking away from my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm, t- I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do uh, when I lose my job here. People will welcome. Uh, I will. I know what I'll. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called each of the masters debtors, and he asked the first, "How much do you owe the master?" Nine hundred gallons of oil," he replied. The manager told him, "Take your bill, sit down, and quickly make it four hundred and fifty. So cut it in half." And then he asked a second, and how much do you owe? And he said, a thousand bushels of wheat. And he told him, take the bill and make it 800. Now, of course, the master figures this out. There there is, you know, some checks and balances. And he says, he commends the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And I'm just going to pause there because that was the phrase uh, that often jumps out at me. But again, in just reviewing this, um, the one, the one, the part of the phrase that jumped out at me was so that it was gone. And I've often said in in the the work that we do in coaching, money is to be used. It, it's it doesn't do well just being stored. It doesn't do well just sitting stagnant. It, you, you, you give money a name, as often I say, give your money and give, like, give it a task, give it something to do. And, and what Jesus is insinuating here, again, these are the words of Christ, is, is that we spend, we actually use all of the resources we have. And, and he says, when it's gone, um, I don't know how you time the you know, e- entering into eternity with the the the, the resources the running out. I, I think that's a God thing. But the reality is, is um, you know, so that when the money is gone, you will have friends. You have you'll be welcomed into eternity. And, and I think you know that is. Uh, and of course, Luke finishes this chapter by saying, "No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other." You can't serve God and money. Uh, and so Luke puts that famous, um, you know, choice right at the end of, of this parable, or Jesus, again, Luke writes it there, but Jesus puts it at the end of this parable, which is, again, just fascinating for us to go, wait a minute, we can take some cues for how the world deals with money and, and um, in a sense, uses money for their own personal gain. And Christ is saying, well, we want to use the resources of this world for eternal gain. And what does that look like? Uh, and again, I'll 
kind of circle back around to consolation versus desolation. If we are spending money on things that draw us into the stream of what God is doing in our lives right now, that would be consolation. We can be confident that there'll be enough money, there'll be enough stuff, uh, but keep spending, keep investing, if I can use that word, the resources that we have into what God is what God is up to in your own life. Have you experienced that, Ray, where you've had, uh, you've done something with your money that you know has brought you closer to the heart of the Father? I would think, um, trying to think off the top of my head, I know when I give to a specific um, area, mm-hmm. I'm trying to mm-hmm. think if there's anything that comes to mind, but, um, and I know that the Lord has really prompted me in there. I feel like, okay, Lord, I'm releasing the finances, whatever mm-hmm. it is, even um, if it's at my cost. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave away a car early on in our married mm-hmm. lives, and I knew this couple needed it mm-hmm. more than we did. We could live with one vehicle, but they needed two and so there was a cost to us because mm-hmm. it meant then juggling with one car mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. But we both had a real peace about it, knowing, Lord, mm-hmm. this is what you're asking mm-hmm. of us. So it was at a cost, but with a sense of the, the pleasure of the Lord mm-hmm. was, was a delight. Mm-hmm. That sense of just contentment mm-hmm. that you've got the delight and approval of the Father. Mm-hmm. That you respond in obedience to his promptings and you see the fruit of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I, uh, we've given, you know, I keep thinking of the words giving and receiving. You know, the kingdom of God is not buying and selling. It's about giving and receiving. And whenever we give, whether that's, you know, the food on our table of hospitality, opening our home, giving our time, any of those things are with the heart, with the heart to love other people. You know, we love God by loving other people. And anytime we do those things with our money resources, whether you're listening and think, well, I don't have a lot of money to give. It doesn't matter. You can, you can buy a bunch of bananas and hang it on the door for your neighbor. You can, you can welcome someone and say, come for a coffee and a tea. Sometimes people need our time and we're going to use the coffee and tea that we purchased to further the kingdom. I mean, we don't think about it like that, but maybe we should. Even if we've had a purchase where we know we've made a mistake, we can turn it around and say, Lord, I'm, use this. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake with this, but you use it. I'm going to give it back to you. How do you want to use this thing that I bought? You know, how do you want to, you know, if you bought a big screen TV and you think, oh yeah, I got a big screen TV. Well, maybe you should be having teens over every week from your community, you know, to show them the love of Christ. You have movie nights, I don't know, game night, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can turn all of those things down for the glory of God. So... I, that's my little thing. Oh, I was thinking you were going to come up with a, a practical. Well, it uh, is thing. practical. I mean, maybe should we should look around our homes and say, what do we have in our homes that we can use for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. You know, that we mm-hmm. have bought selfishly, but we're going to say no. And he might say, yeah, I want you to give that thing away. Or mm-hmm. I want you to invite people in so they can you can share it with people. Because mm-hmm. the kingdom is about sharing, too, what we have. We don't have to have a lot. We have five loaves and two fish. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Ray, would you pray for us this morning? Father, thank you 
that in your heart you um, desire each one of us to walk in a place of intimacy with you where we are not covered by shame, but that as you come and you speak to our hearts, you bring revelation and understanding, even around the financial decisions we make, whether they'll draw us closer to you or whether they will um, cause us to distance ourselves and distract us. And so, Father, thank you by your spirit that you will lead and guide us. And I pray for each one listening today. Lord, that you would speak truth into their heart. You would break off any shame and condemnation. Father, that as they repent, that they come into a new freedom and a new understanding, Lord, that they lay every financial decision before you and say, Lord, what is it that you would say? And we just say thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I, there's not much more to say. So Every decision is, is a, a spiritual, spiritual one. Yeah. Join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.